welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I've been the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas since 2003. When I first came here, I I never thought the Lord would have me here this long, and it has been a a wild ride and a a blessed ride, and God has done great things in our midst. One uh, One of my favorite chapters in the book of Psalms Uh, Such a comfort. I read this often at funerals. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride goes on to say, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving, let go, relax, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is is our stronghold. That is a special, special psalm, especially when you're surrounded by trouble. As I think about the people in Ukraine, I think how Psalm 46 uh, would be such a uh, such a blessing, such an encouragement, such a help to them. And uh, you know that war began between. Uh, Russia attacking Ukraine. It began February 24th of this year, and so we're we're uh, approaching three months, and uh, we don't hear about it as much in the news. Although we voted to give them 40 billion dollars worth of aid, we're not hearing a lot about what's going on in the war. And so today on Real Truth for Today, we have. Becky DeWitt on the program. Becky has served for 28 plus years in Ukraine, and she's the principal at Kiev Christian Academy. And she escaped Ukraine on February 28th. The war broke out on the 24th, and she was able to get out. It took her 65 hours to travel six miles to get out of the country. She is back in the States wanting to go back to Ukraine, but uh, we have to wait and and see what is going to happen. So, uh, Becky, welcome to Real Truth for today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, it is... uh, it is a mess. It is devastation. I know your heart is is breaking for what is taking place in a country that you love. Um, give us the big picture. You've been there a long time. Why, from your perspective, why did Russia invade Ukraine? Well, as you probably know, this isn't the, this didn't just happen in February. It happened many years ago, eight years ago. Um, Russia came in and took part of eastern Ukraine and also the Crimea area of Ukraine. Um, The purpose for that is very clear to me. Uh, There are coal deposits and oil deposits in eastern Ukraine. And then, of course, Crimea is the port area for the Black Sea. Very um, rich for tourists and very rich for imports. And we have been fighting that war ever since then. But Um, there needed to be a land bridge across from Russia to Crimea to provide services um, for the blockaded blockaded area of the country. And so we believe that was what was the beginning of the push into Ukraine. Um, And then who can understand the mind of someone 
who will come in and take another country. Who knows what his ultimate plan is and was. Um, yeah, we that's... just know that devastation has happened. So the people have, in those in those last seven or eight years, those people have been living, you guys have been living with that threat of at any moment this could this could um, you know, break out into full war? Yeah, actually, it has been always there, always in the back of our mind, though. And even uh, when the American president, uh, President Biden, was saying that Americans needed to get out, we kind of laughed about it because we thought, oh, it's not going to happen here. It's in eastern Ukraine. That's far away from the center, Kiev, where I live, the capital. And so we didn't believe it was ever even going to go further than the east. But uh, we have been definitely proven wrong at this point um, because on the 24th, the night of the 24th to the morning of the 25th, um, there was not a place in Ukraine that was safe from bombs, from missiles that were being launched, both from Crimea and from Belarus on the country of Ukraine. So, Becky, as soon as as the the war broke out and, and the bombs were coming, you knew you had to get out of there? Right. Well, we um, our school had had a midwinter break, and out of precaution, because we were getting from the American government, we were getting urges to leave. Um, from the Ukrainian government, at that point, they were saying, it's not going to be, you don't have to worry, it's okay. Um, but out of precaution, we decided we would go to western Ukraine, to the mountains near the borders. And... Um, then, on, like you said, on the 24th, we realized we had no choice but to leave. Um, it took several days for us to get. We were with nine other people, and we were trying to get everyone ready to cross the border. We needed to get some visas for some of the people, and um, God provided miraculously in that situation. Um, uh, just as a side note, the guy that we needed to get across is a Christian Arab. Uh, from Lebanon, and he had escaped Lebanon because of the war in Lebanon, came to Ukraine with his Ukrainian wife, and now he had to have a visa to get into Europe, and uh, he was denied. Um, Romanian embassy denied him a visa, and he walked out, called us, and said, you're just going to have to take my wife and children and leave me here. And as he was crying and telling us this story, um, he got a call back from the embassy, and they said, please come back, we're granting you your visa. Mm. Um, It's amazing, because immediately when this was happening, I I went on Facebook and said, okay, guys, pray. And I believe it was a direct answer from prayer that the embassy called him back in 10 minutes later and said, here, have your visa. Um, so we got once we got everybody across it, we left on the t- morning of the 26th to cross the border. So yes. that was two days after the bombings had already begun. Okay, did you see did you see damage in Kiev before you left or you just knew it was coming? No, we knew it was coming. Uh, so we left what we did see the morning that we left um, because we were in western Ukraine. Um, they had set up all kinds of blockades overnight. Um, This is an area we had already been in for a while because we went there for the break. And um, suddenly overnight, there were soldiers and blockades on every road um, 
every every town that you would go into, there would be a new blockade. You would have to get out. They would check your car. They would check everything in your car. They would check your documents and anybody in the car's documents. And that now, happened overnight. Now, Ukrainian men, you were telling me this yesterday when we spoke, they're not allowed to leave, correct? That is correct. If they're 18 to 60 years old, they have to stay in the country. Um, there's some uh, exceptions given to men that have three or more children under the age of 18. Right. But other than that, all men are required to stay. So that most of those guys were getting their families out, but then some of the wives wanted to stay with their husbands and some of the families wanted to stay together, and, and so they're just in harm's way. Is that correct? That's correct. I have uh, several friends that are still in Ukraine, uh, never left Ukraine, and part of it was because um, in most cases it was either a health issue of someone that they, a loved one, a mother or father, or it was they were they're a young couple with a young child, and they don't want to be separated, uh, the husband and the wife to be separated. Um, they felt it was important for the children that they be together. So, Becky, it, it's hard for us over here <clears throat> to imagine what life would be like during a war. Uh, <clears throat> so you're a, you're a young family. You're, you're a mom that has a, a six-month-old baby. How do you live there? How do you get supplies? How is, how is life uh, work in a situation like that? Yeah, well, it depends on where you are in the country. Um, many places... Um, the food supply is shut down. They're having to rely on neighbors that, you know, I, I'll grow tomatoes and you grow chickens and we'll, you know, I'll buy your chickens and you buy my tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever. Um, so they're pulling together in the smaller towns like that. The larger towns still do have some supplies. Um, there has begun to be a great influx of humanitarian aid, um, you know, we're not talking about steak and potatoes here. We're talking about rice and beans, yeah. just enough to, to give them energy and to keep going. Um, my roommate, who is a Ukrainian, who escaped with me, uh, talks almost daily with her friends that are left in Ukraine. And uh, she says it's sad, but kind of humorous when she's on the phone and the friend says, wait a minute. Wait, there's a siren going off. Let me let me listen. Mm. And the friend will say, uh, I think it's just an airplane. No, no, it's a missile. Oh, but it's ours. It's okay. Oh, gosh. And so uh. the people are already able to distinguish, you know, is it an airplane? Is it a missile? Whose missile is it? Which direction is it going? Something that I can't even begin to understand. How, how, can, how can they already know that? Um, the sirens that go off in the Kiev area still are happening three and four times a day. Um, unfortunately, there's something happening now called siren fatigue. And they hear yeah. the siren and just say, I'm not going. Uh, uh, oh, right. well, it's a siren. Yeah. Um, are, are they, Becky, are they able in, in uh, Ukraine to get factual information we know russia's a you know the propaganda machine from there they're not going to tell you the truth um are there ukrainians getting information that's that's true as far as we understand yes they may not be getting the whole story um 
and I almost feel like that's a protection of the people to not let them know how bad things really are. But Ukraine is an open country. It, it's open to American news, British news, European news, um, not open to Russian news on the <laughs> yeah. open airway. Yes. Um, but so they're, they're able to hear what's being said. They're, the Internet is still working in most places. Um, Elon Musk put his satellite in a, in a bouncing position to help if the Internet were to go down. Um, so, you know, that the people are still able to get information. Now, my friend will, when, when my roommate calls our friend, Ira, she'll say, tell me the good news. Mm-hmm. And so she'll want to hear, you know, that the Ukrainian troops were able to push the soldiers out of the Russian soldiers out of Kharkiv or, yeah. you know, she just wants to hear some good news. Because their news is probably a little more realistic than ours is. Right. But it's and basically... a little negative. Yeah. It's basically David fighting Goliath, though, isn't it? It is. And, you know, that I've said that from the very beginning, and it only took one stone for David. Right. So we're waiting to see where that stone's going to come from and, and how this is all going to end. Well, I talked to uh, Richard Land, who's done a lot of, he's a historian and a really smart guy, and he said he was he was amazed at how uh, Ukraine has stood up to, to Russia and how Russia is, is uh, seemingly ill-equipped for that kind of resistance. And uh, so hats off to the Ukrainian people and those who are fighting. Uh, but we know well, a lot of people... Ha- Go ahead. I'm sorry. They've had, like I've said, this war's been going on for about eight years, so they've had time to build up. Plus the fact that these men are fighting for their land. Yes. Um, you know, you asked me yesterday, are the men having to serve? And after I got off the phone, I, said, I thought, I should have told you, they're offering to serve. Yeah. Yeah, their heart is in it. And... Uh... That is a great thing. Well, we, uh, we want to find out more. We're talking to Becky DeWitt. She's a missionary there. She's been in Ukraine for almost 30 years and had to flee when the war broke out. And so we're finding out what life is like in Ukraine. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, preborn clinics are there. I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child, and he had made me choose him or the baby. This mother chose life after meeting with preborn counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound. I just felt so blessed in the hand of God on me so strong, and I knew then on I was going to serve God, and I was going to keep this child, and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally. Preborn centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus. He was our little miracle child. God's timing was impeccable. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. I love the cooperation between the gifts that these men have. Ezra was a scribe. He knew the law. He knew what to say. Nehemiah was a leader. 
and God did a great work. Nehemiah had a vision. He prayed about it. He exerted leadership and motivated people. And then when the going got tough, he kept on going. Bert Harper and Alex McFarland, advancing through the scriptures weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio's Exploring the Word. This is the time where we all better be on our knees in front of our windows, where we better have the boldness to stand on the truth of God's word, where our allegiance better be to him. Listen, he alone has an enduring kingdom. He alone, he alone makes promises and keeps them. God alone, nobody else. Airing the Addisons, weekday afternoons at 2 Central on American Family Radio. You ever make a change and then think, why didn't I do this years ago? Well, that's how people feel about switching to MediShare for their health care, especially now with inflation the way it is. People are very happy with the savings. Most families save about $500 a month when they switch. It's a huge help when prices are going up so fast in so many other areas. And MediShare's customer satisfaction rate is double that of health insurance. It's just a different experience, and people really like that. MediShare is an alternative to health insurance. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it's been going strong for over 25 years. It really is the gold standard, the most trusted name in health care sharing. Find out why people love it. Find out why they rave about the customer service and find out how good it feels to save some money right now. They're super easy to talk to. Here's the number. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The people in Ukraine are in trouble as they've been attacked by Russia. And we're talking to missionary Becky DeWitt. She has been in Ukraine. She's back home now, escaped the war, but uh, been in Ukraine for 28 plus years. And uh, we're finding out about what life is like right now for the Ukrainians. And Becky, if we back up a little bit, how did you end up uh, ministering there in Ukraine? I actually um, went over to homeschool three missionary boys in the early years, 1994. Uh, the country had just become open, and um, missionaries were flocking in by the dozens. And I happened to be on one of the first waves of that to homeschool these three boys and um, fell in love. It was not my first choice. God led me there. I was obedient. It was still not my first choice. Um, but fell in love with the people, and uh, to your commitment now led to 28-plus years. So, Have you seen uh, an openness to the gospel there in Ukraine? Ukraine has always, from the first moment I was there, has always been open to the gospel. Um, I, I worked a couple of years in a Ukrainian school, public school kind of set, setting, and even in that setting, I could openly share the gospel um, with my students, with my middle school and high school students. Um, Ukraine is actually probably the, one of the most open countries in Europe to the gospel and is actually sending out missionaries from Ukraine to other parts of the world. Um, 
uh, in fact, I was talking with a uh, individual that has a refugee center in Germany, and he said he almost sees this as a mission opportunity for the strong, believing Ukrainians to be um, dispersed throughout Europe and other parts of the world, and they're able to take the gospel to those countries that are either cold or are absent, absent to the gospel. So that, you know, it's kind of an exciting time in the midst of war. You know, God has always promised that he'll make good right. out of what is what we see as bad. Right. Well, that's a good thing for sure. I would, I would think during all the bombing and everything, and, and many people are losing their lives, that would cause people to think about eternity and, and think about, uh, you know, my relationship to God. Uh, where you were, I mean, is it is it covered in atheism, or w- what is the prevailing view of God there? Um, after communism fell and the gospel came in, people were allowed to come from underground. You had a strong Protestant church underground, and... Um, so I would say, no, it's probably not atheist. It's um, Orthodoxism is the, the religion they choose uh, as their national or Ukrainian Orthodoxism. But there are hundreds and thousands of Protestant churches. Um, I've, I don't know the exact figure, but I've been told that it's one of the largest Protestant church areas in Europe. That they have a larger population. And Becky, are they hearing the true gospel, or is it all shrouded in ritualism and things like that? Well, one of the things the missionaries early on uh, started doing is changing the word from "Are you a Christian?" to "Are you a believer?" Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they're a member of the Orthodox Church or any church, uh, you know we have the same problem here in the United States. Well, yeah, I'm a member of a church. I'm a Christian. Right. Um, but when you go to the heart of the matter and say, are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and that he died for you? Um, then it gets to the heart of the matter. Um, and there's still, we're, I'm still seeing many, many people that are coming to Christ um, and that are open to the gospel. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. And so in your years there as a missionary, I, I'm assuming that you've seen uh, many, many people respond and trust Christ, and then you've seen their lives change. Tell us about a, a few of those stories. Well, I can, I'll share one situation. Um, when I was working in the public school system, uh, I was asked to head up the Department of Language, and the school was teaching several languages. And when I came in, I found out that the um, there was a lot of backbiting and anger and competition, not a team. And so I set out that my goal was I was going to build a team. And, of course, teams are always built on Christian principles if they're a good team. And uh, as I started building it, I found out that I had two atheists, and I had one one who claimed Judaism as her religion. Um, by the time I left, all of them were talking about God. Now, had they made a change in their life, um, in their lifestyles? Yes. Had they had an open profession of faith? Not yet. But during this war, the one that chose Judaism as her religion um, has written me several times and said things like, please continue to pray for us. She's one of the 
ones that stayed with her small child in the country. Uh, continue to pray pray for us. Thank you for your prayers. I mean, uh, her heart is open, and it's a tender field. Um, Ukrainians, you don't go out and do evangelism explosion and knock on doors and, and call them to action of faith immediately. It's all through relationship. You have to build it over the years. Um, another situation is I had a child in the school where I teach now who claimed to be Buddhist. Her family did not claim that, but she, as a fourth grader, claimed to be Buddhist. And I was talking with her one day after school, and she said, Well, you know, when I first came to this school, I didn't know anything about God. And now I know who God is. And I, I'm a quick wit. And I looked at her and said, Well, you stay a few more years, and you'll know who Jesus is. <laughs> um, so, so the openings are there, but it's very much... Um, you have to you have to be consistent and have a lifestyle that appeals to them. Um, the consistency of love, the consistency of support, the accountability, uh, the purity—they have to see that in you, and then they're drawn to it. Um, okay, so life in Ukraine before the war. Uh, are Ukrainians' families important to them, or, or are you seeing rampant divorce like we see in America and uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse? What is what is going on in the social life there in Ukraine? For the most part, it's very family-oriented, very family-oriented. You may have a two-bedroom apartment and have mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, a married daughter and her child and husband, all in one apartment. Uh, part of that is economics, but part of it is also just the family unit. Um, grandmothers and grandfathers are very highly respected, not just by the family members, but by neighbors. Um, my next-door neighbor is a, a grandmother, Babushka, and um, she is highly respected in the village that we live in, um, just because of her age and because of the things she's gone through, um, people are just very family-oriented, very... And when I say family, for Ukrainians, it's extended family, not mm-hmm. just mine. Um, there's not a lot of individualism. It's, you know, a, not a week goes by that I don't... My neighbor doesn't say, hey, I have eggs, do you need some? Or, here, I picked this out of the garden, would you like some? Uh-huh. And that's just very common. Yeah. Now, divorce is not common there, then, correct? There is, um, among the non-believers, there is divorce, um, and some of it is, most of it, I would say, is because of alcoholism. Um, okay. You have generational problems with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the this country has seen so much. Um, if you just go back over their short history, uh, you know, they had genocide, they had Chernobyl, they've had, you know, this war, they've had another, you know, it's just the devastation of the country has been so hard, has been so bad that mm-hmm. some people, because they don't have God, all they can turn to is alcohol. Yeah. And so you have some generational problems with alcoholism. And that typically will, will as it does here, break up families. Now, is uh, what's the poverty like there in Ukraine? Obviously, things are totally dismantled because of the war, but before that, are people... Would, uh, go ahead. 
I would say that there's not a middle class. There was the beginning of a middle class. You either have the super rich or you have the common people. There are some very poor people but out in the villages, but they wouldn't believe that they're poor um, because they have land. Land is very, very important to Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. And so they may be poor, but they have land, so it makes them rich in their mind. Um, but the middle class just is not there. Um, food and gas and those kind of things are very expensive in Ukraine. Um so there's a, a big diversity there uh, on what you can what you can get, what you can't get. Um, but it's not the I, when I I think of poverty in the United States and I think of poverty in Ukraine, I don't see the same thing. Okay. Um, people are, are not starving in Ukraine because other people, again, this communal society, they're taking care of each other. Yeah. Uh, Becky, what's the relationship between a a Ukrainian citizen and a Russian citizen? Is there tremendous animosity between the two, or or how does that work? Prior to recently, no. Um, In our school, we had Russians and we had Ukrainians, and it was okay. Um, Now, of course, there is distrust um, on both sides, probably. Um, there is some animosity when you see the news and you see children being killed and raped and and tortured you know, men and women. It's hard to have a loving attitude toward the people of that country. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's very hard, and especially when those people sometimes see no reason to feel sorry for anything. Um, you know, they, they they feel that what they're doing is justified. And so it's hard. Well, I, I read something this morning, Becky, that said, I mean, the casualties, it's all over the map. It said anywhere from 10,000 to 25,000 civilians have been killed, uh, plus a, a host more wounded. And then you have tens of thousands of combatants that have been killed. Uh, what are the what are the numbers that you're seeing on the inside? That's about the same thing I'm saying, and I'll tell you why there's such a um, spread there is we don't know. We don't know. Uh, the town of Bucha was devastated, and only now as they're back into Bucha and starting to go through the rubble and you know make sense of what's happened um, are they beginning to get a count of the dead. Yeah. Um, there were mass graves. People were buried, um, and I won't even call it buried. I would say people were hidden um, so that we couldn't count. Uh, the same thing is going to be uncovered in the Kharkiv area, uh, oh. where a, a lot of devastation. In Mariupol, the count is just impossible to know because uh, the crimes have been hidden. Yeah. And only... Only during the time of Reconstruction, I think, will the true numbers come out. Um, I I read a statistic this morning that said 257 to 400 uh, children have been killed in this war. Um, And again, that's a huge difference. That's almost twice, you know, 250, 500 would be twice. But the reason is because we just don't know and won't know. You were telling me. 
these horrible things about little children being raped and things like that. It's just beyond comprehension. Yeah, I, I just don't. That's not war. That's barbarianism. I mean, it's right. uh, war is soldiers against soldiers, but this has gone to the point that it's um, soldiers against the common pop- population, and that's yeah. not war. No, um, that's just demonic. That's awful. Yeah, and, and people call it genocide, and I believe it. I believe that that's what it is. Well, we have about two minutes left, Becky. So uh, how can we be praying specifically? What should we be praying for the people in Ukraine? Um, softening of heart. Uh, anytime something like this happens, hearts can be hardened. And, uh, you know, as I said, they were open to the gospel. I just pray that they'll, they'll continue to be open to God's leading, um, to what God wants them to do. And pray for the humanitarian aid as it comes in to be uh, spreading the gospel, not just spreading the food, but spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. And pray that Ukraine finds, that David finds that one stone that will put yes. into this. Yes. Uh, corruption in the country, so like all this aid comes in, um, are, are you confident that it's going to get to the people that need it? Had you asked me this five years ago, I would have said no. Today, I'll say yes, because I'm seeing it happen. Okay. Um, I'm watching missionaries uh, making sure that aid is getting to the people that need it. Um, so I have no—I uh, I believe there's too many hurting people for it not to be going to the right places now. Yeah. Well, that, that's good to know for sure, because we're sending lots of aid there, and, and we want to help those people for sure. Um, well, right. Becky, thank you, thank you so much for being uh, a guest on the program today, and uh, we appreciate your insights into what's going on in Ukraine. You know, as we spoke on the phone yesterday, uh, the news in America is not talking a lot about what's going on right now. I mean, we have general things, but we don't have any specifics, and so you helped fill in the gaps and. Uh, you, I know you want to go back there soon, as, as soon as, I, as, soon as you can. The better. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll be praying for you, and we'll be praying for the people. And so thank you so much for coming on today. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. When we come back, we'll be taking your calls at 1-888-589-8840. We're going to talk about answered prayer. God is a God who answers prayer. We'll be right back. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Bishop E.W. Jackson. What needs to be told to these black men is get a job, stop fathering children that you can't take care of, stop hanging out in the streets, and stop acting like the cops are your enemy anytime you interact with them, particularly when you're interacting with them in a situation where you know they've come expecting potential trouble because of the circumstances you've allowed yourself to be in. How about trying that? Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. 
If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to you on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We've been talking to Becky DeWitt, and she is a missionary, been in Ukraine for 28 years, just got out four days after the the war. Took her 65 hours to travel six miles to get to the border, and then from there to get out of the country and come back to the States. She wants to come back to Ukraine and go back to Ukraine as soon as she can, as soon as the war is over. And so we want to be praying for her. We want to be praying for the Ukrainian people. Uh, As we shared in the last segment, as many as uh, 25,000 civilians have been killed in this this war, and, and terrible things have happened and many women have been raped and uh, Becky had told me even a, a little girl two years old was was raped repeatedly until she died uh, just beyond comprehension and so uh, so we need to be praying for them we uh, are reminded Psalm 46 uh, has been kind of our theme this morning God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Uh, Psalm 46 verse 10 is a very famous verse. Uh, King James says, Be still and know that I am God. In numeric standards, cease striving and know that I am God. In the Amplified it says, uh, Let go, relax, and know that I am God. Uh, That's what cease striving means, to just know that God is in control. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. We want to, in this last segment, we want to talk about answered prayer. 
because uh, God is a God who answers prayer. Call to me, he says in the book of Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Becky said that it was an answer to prayer that she was able to get out of the country, that the man uh, that was with her entourage was able to get out of the country, get his visa, to get out of the country with his family, and uh, they just saw God um, respond as they cried out to him. And God is a God who responds to our prayers. Uh, one of my uh, favorite psalms when I think of prayer is Psalm 116. It's, it doesn't tell us who wrote this, but uh, the psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I, w- I shall call upon him as long as I live. God is listening to us as we pray. And so I would love to take your calls in this segment and find out how God has answered your prayers and and to be an encouragement to our listeners because with prayer, it's easy to uh, throw in the towel because we don't see things right away. We don't see God answer, you know, call to me and I will answer you. Well, that's a promise from God, but he doesn't say he's going to answer on the first ring if we think about it in terms of calling God on the phone. Uh, God values persistence. And so as we persist in prayer, he, he responds to us. Jesus told a parable and he said, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he hears and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Go away. Shoe fly, don't bother me. I tell you, Jesus said, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. And in the Greek, those are continuing verbs. Ask, and keep asking. Seek, and keep seeking. Knock, and keep knocking. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? Uh, will he, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Or as in Matthew's gospel, how much more will your father give what is good to those who ask him? Uh, the, the greatest gift God could possibly give us would be his Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. He comes into the life as soon as we receive Christ as Savior and Lord. But the point of this parable, uh, God answers prayer. And uh, he answers persistent prayer. So ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. If you have a testimony of answered prayer, a persistent prayer that God answered in mighty power, we would love to hear about it. The number to call is one 589 That's one 589 I know that uh, in my life when I read the the stories and the testimonies of people who have prayed and prayed and prayed for a situation and they didn't give up 
and they saw God come through in such a miraculous way. The Bible says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. We don't know what the proper time is. Our, uh, the proper time for us is, Lord, we want it now. But God knows what the proper time is. And uh, so when we're praying about something, when we're asking God for something, when we're in this difficult time and we, we want God to move just, you know, yesterday type thing, we need to remember, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Just wait for the Lord. God works on the circumstances. He works on the person. He works on the place. He's preparing things. And so, uh, you know, it's in the hard times where we learn, where we grow. Um, the little poem I like says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. Not a word said she, but oh, the things I learned that day when sorrow walked with me. God teaches us in the waiting room as we're calling upon him and waiting for him to answer. And so waiting time is not wasted time as we seek the Lord. Well, we have Anne from Mississippi. Anne, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Yes, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to give God the glory. I've um, retired 11 years ago, and during that time my husband was sick and passed away almost three years ago, and I went through some terrible depression. My my kids wanted me to get a part-time job, and I wouldn't. I just didn't want to, but finally the Lord delivered me, and I just want to give him glory for the job he gave me. I tried to get on at several places, and uh, he just would not open that door. I even asked about (laughs) working at a car wash. Of course, she said, you'd be working with a bunch of kids. (laughs) um, (laughs) But he just gave me a a good opportunity, and, uh, I mean, I went to some places and practically begged them to hire me, and he just would not open that door, and then he blessed me. What happened, let me tell you real quick, I couldn't get the application to go through online at home. It kept freezing up. So I thought, and then I called the place, the corporation, and got passed around all these numbers. They couldn't help me. So I thought, well, I'm just going to get ready and go down there and talk to them. So I thought, well, I better dress in case I meet somebody that would have something to do with the hiring. And I'm glad I did because when I got down there, I did meet with somebody. And they practically offered me the job right there but of course i had to go through you know the procedures sure but uh if god god that was god's timing god's planning he he made my computer freeze up so that i would and he made me not get any help when i called and so i didn't want to get dressed i wanted to stay in my gown (laughs) (laughs) but i got dressed and went down there and they said, would you like to work in so-and-so department? They've been looking for me. I mean, looking for somebody, mm. you know, for since December. Yeah. And they, and they hired a couple of people. It's sorry to say, but some of them were young people, and they, like, you know, took off running after a yeah. couple of weeks. It, it's a little bit in, entailed, but oh, the job I retired from was entailed, too, so... 
Anyway, I won't keep going on, but I just wanted to praise God for that because I could have been working. I tried to get on at a sprint mart. They told me they would hire me, but my girl said, no, somebody could come in there and rob you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, convenience store. And so this job is so much more better than something like the car wash and, and, you know, it's uh, just a better fit for you. Or not, not, I mean, we've got to have people to work everywhere, and I'm sure. thankful for those people. But right. I'm just thankful that God held it out, you know, for me right. to, you know, some people would say that's a coincidence. I say it's a God incident. Yeah. Well, it's funny how those things work out, uh, and the more we pray, the more we see a coincidence, because uh, God is at work, and God, He answers us when we pray in His timing, not in our timing, and in His way, not in our way, but we can trust Him because He is faithful. So thank you for sharing that. We have CJ from Louisiana. CJ, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Oh, hello, Pastor Jeff. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing fine. Thank you. I, I want to give this uh, this testimony. Four months four months ago, when I went to my eye doctor, he told me that he saw like some blood behind my eye, like it was some blood leaking in the back of my eye. Well, I went back for a checkup yesterday, and he they did all kind of little tests, checking the back of my eye and everything. He told me when he came into the office, he said that he didn't see any blood in the back of my eye. My pressure, and the pressures in my eyes were just fine. He told me, he said, your eyes are doing great. And I just <laughs> give God the praise, the glory, and the honor. Amen. Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, what a great testimony. And that's a, a direct answer to your prayer, no doubt. So praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that, CJ. And I'm so glad that you got a good report. And I'm so glad that God brought healing to uh, to your eyes there and that they're doing great. We have uh, Dee from Florida. Dee, welcome to the program today. Thank you. Um, I don't have answered prayer. I have prayed. prayed. I have a form of mental illness that's getting progressively worse and creating more and more problems with my relationship with God, and I've been begging him and begging him for over a year, and he's done nothing, and it's so hard to hear what you say with, about him answering prayer. I know it's true because he said it, but it is so hard to hear that, and I've been begging him for relief and begging him for a cure, and I don't know where to turn. There's nothing doctors can do, and I don't know what to do, and it's hard. How do you keep believing and trusting when it, you're not getting answers to something this severe like that? Yeah, that's a great question, Dee, and I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Here's the thing, and and this is not easy, so uh, don't don't hear something I'm not saying. If I'm you, I'm struggling uh, because this is what you're going through is hard. When you don't understand what God is doing, you have to rest in what you do understand. And here's what you understand, and what we understand from the Word: God is good and God loves you, and God works all things together for good to those who love him and trust him and are called according to his purpose. So look at your situation. We have all have a tendency to look at God through the lens of our circumstances, and when we do that, we get angry, we get frustrated, we can even get bitter at God because it's like, God, why don't you? You must not love me. You must not care. You're not answering my prayer. 
So don't look at God through the lens of your circumstances. Look at your circumstances through the lens of God is good, God loves me, God is working all this together for good uh, in my life as I trust Him and as I walk with Him and as I grow in my relationship with Him. And so we may not understand but we can just rest in that and say, okay, God, uh, this is another day for me to trust you. And I, by your grace, I'm going to trust you. Johnny Erickson Tata is one of my heroes in the ministry, uh, you know, lost her ability to, uh, to use her arms and legs when she was 17 years old in a diving accident. She so wanted to die because she just didn't want to live like that anymore. And she finally got to the place where she said, God, if I can't die, then show me how to live because I don't want to live the life of a paraplegic in a wheelchair. You're going to have to show me how to do it. You're going to have to give me grace because I can't do this on my own. And the Lord began to work, and she um, she allowed God to invade that that hole in her heart, and the Lord changed her situation. She's still in the wheelchair. That didn't change. She still uh, has to deal every day with the difficulties of being a paraplegic or quadriplegic, but the Lord gave her grace, and his grace, he says in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And so my prayer for you, D, is that uh, you would just trust God, trust his grace, and see him Uh, do a miracle in your heart to take away the frustration, to take away the anger, to take away any bitterness that might be there. God is good. God loves you. God has a plan. You can trust him. So thank you for listening this morning as we've been talking about uh, life in Ukraine, as we've been talking about answered prayer. Hey, go out, shine for Christ, share what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. We will be back again on Monday to be sharing good news, real truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. God bless you.